Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, folks. Once again, this is Livigno to Levy podcast, and we have two weeks before the great legendary Vasa Lopet. Speaking of which, Vasa Lopet, we have two interesting guests today. Uh, one is certainly going to be one of the favorites, five-time podium skier, and another one may not even do the race. So these guests of mine are, of course, uh, Stian Hölgard and Astrid Öres Lind, and we talked to Astrid first. And of course, we all kind of wondering what's going on with Astrid, because she's kind of looking for her missing mojo. But we'll find that out today. And I am your host, Teemu Virtanen, so let's rock and roll. So Astrid, good to have you on our show. How are you doing? That, I think, is a very relevant question now. <laughs> How are you really doing? I am doing okay. I'm not great. Uh, I'm starting to get out of my depression after Marsha Longa, so I'm doing better, and I, hopefully I'll do great soon. <laughs> and you skipped the uh, Yiserska because you figured that that's uh, probably the best thing to do. Uh, but after Marsha Longa, what were kind of your thoughts that you had in your mind? Must have well, been kind of a, it was a very different situation for you. Yeah, I'm not used to uh, struggling, so I'm kind of put put out of the order right now, and I don't know really what to do. So it's it's a tough situation, but uh, actually I've, I've been struggling a little bit from, yeah, from the fall, uh, training too much, uh, just feeling tired, out of shape, and uh, my leg won't, legs won't work, so that's kind of the main problem. And then uh, I started to feel better before the season. So I, uh, as the thought was, I would just race myself into shape. So I started to race the three first races, and then in Marcel Longa, I felt my body was working at all. So I just jumped off that and yeah, trying to my best to find my shape back until Vasaloppe, but. Uh, it's actually taking a lot of time, and I don't know if if I'll be there at start or not. We'll that, see. Yeah, that's got to be really tough because, of course, that is not just for you, but it's, it's the main race for all of you, your skiers out there, uh, just to skip that one and to skip pretty much the yeah, whole season. It's it's really it's really hard, and I've been pretty down, like uh, yeah, depressed and stuff, but. Uh, uh, sometimes you just have to face the reality, and right now the reality is that I won't ski fast with my body being as it is right now, and then it's no use in, in racing, and I think maybe it's better to uh, quit for some races, and then maybe I'll, can, I can be back on top at the last couple of races, and that's kind of what I'm aiming for right now, to just find myself. You also had a, a problem where you faced a hurdle uh, last winter that yeah. you had to overcome. <laughs> Let's talk about that as well. Yeah, that's uh, everything was looking great. I was in actually awesome shape. I could, felt I could kind of be in there in the top for every race and it felt really strong. But then 
yeah, I was living off pizza and pasta and uh, uh, loaf <laughs> in uh, in Italy, and my stomach was just uh, crazy, and I didn't know what to do because I thought it was just a virus or something, but I actually found out later that it was celiacic uh, disease. So then, yeah, at least two of the races was right straight down to the toilets. And uh, yeah, the total was ruined and everything was kind of fucked up. And then um, came the corona. So I didn't actually get the chance to get back. I was getting back in shape, but I didn't have any more races to show it off in. So. Yeah, it was a sad ending of that story and then kind of sad beginning of this year. So <laughs> I need some good races soon. Yeah, it seems to me or sounds to me that the trouble started way back then. Uh, but kind of going through that, the whole summer and fall, what really went wrong? Uh, well, this summer I've been in good shape too. So... Uh, it's not like this constant problem. I just haven't been racing in between the problems, kind of. So uh, I think I was pretty strong, actually, this summer. And then I was uh, maybe a bit too eager, trying to take the next step, wanted to become a better racer and uh, just did too much and too hard and didn't have the, yeah, I wasn't smart enough to stop at the right time. And uh I think it's it's hard to know when when you pass the limit or when you're on it kind of and you have to be on it for quite a while if you want to ski as fast as I want to ski so uh, but this year I tipped over and I didn't take it seriously enough until it was kind of a little bit too late I think so uh, it was, was getting tight into the season and I wanted to try racing anyways and that didn't end up so well so yeah it's kind of a it's a snowball rolling and I, I don't know how to stop it kind of. But what you're saying is that you had some symptoms even uh, back in the fall that it kind of manifested uh, itself, you know, kind of the overboard that you went overboard. Yeah. But you just didn't listen to it. You just did the, the you know, kind of the morning signs. You didn't. Yeah. Or I kind of, yeah, I started up having, uh, what we call uh, heavy legs it's like yeah hurting a bit when you try to go fast uh, and then I took it easy for some days and I tried training again and then it did work and I took it easy for some days and I started training again and the easy period was I don't well now I think that's the problem that they were n never long enough so I didn't catch up I just started training too fast and being too eager to to get back on the game and training hard. So uh, like now, if, uh, if I could do it all again, I would just take it easy for three weeks and I think I would be totally fine and good shape right now. But uh, it's easy to say that afterwards. So going back to that, what you said that you did uh, too much and, and, and too hard, but really kind of evaluating it in, uh, in more detail. Do you think that you did, when you say too much, too much in endurance per se or was it more the kind of the intensity that or can be combination of both yeah well if i knew exactly what was wrong i would never have done it so it's kind of just a feeling but uh i have trained more than ever uh and in the fall there i was one week in low foot and running up and down the mountains for 
25 hours for that week and that was in the end of a pretty hard um, period of training for me and then came straight to the blink race 12 hour race uh, had to go there and do my best that even though I was starting to feel tired and then I have just a couple of days off and we had a training camp so I tried to join the training camp uh, do my best there uh, and I think the total of that was maybe just too much how many hours, by the way? Overall? Uh, it's not, uh, I don't think it's about the hours. It's about how it kind of stri strikes. So it's also the combination with what you do, what intensity you do it in, and uh, the timing of races and camps that just everything kind of went wrong. So, uh, yeah, I'll try not to do it again. But right now, I just have to try to find, yeah, some piece of rest and then uh, maybe I can grow strong enough to train hard again. Speaking of that, because we only have two weeks before Vassal Open and you said that most likely we won't see you there, but still mm -hmm. there's a chance that you might do it. Uh, what do you really need to do now in order for yeah, us right to see now, you there? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have just taken one week uh, entirely off not training at all, just laying on the couch. Uh, I have to pretend that I'm sick, so my brain will accept what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, and then I need to start slow and just feel that my body is on, is working before I can do any hard sessions at all, I think. So that's why I think Vasalope is maybe coming a little bit too fast for me. Because if I just rush into a new race, I think I'll be back at the same yeah, the Marshall longer feeling. I won't be skiing fast and I will just set myself back for even longer. So I just have to be um, calm now. So realistically speaking, uh, would like Orefels Lopet then be, of course, Birke Bainerene is next after Vassal, but that might even be kind of close too. So... Yeah, of course. All the races is coming kind of fast now when we're in the season. So that's that's one of the tough parts to just have to see that go go away kind of but uh yeah maybe it's a little hope for birken if if we will have birken it's a corona situation in norway it's not like very promising right now but uh i think it's hard to start within 100k uh and a tough race like that if my body is not 100 percent so uh, maybe Reisalöp is the most realistic, actually. But I, ho I hope for better. But that's maybe what I have to kind of, yeah. And then, of Put course, Ulas, Ulas yeah. Levy, which is a you know, great race for you. I mean, you've won the race <laughs> in yeah. the past. Reisalöp and Levy is two good races for me. And I think it's very important for me now that I just can come back and be a good skier and do some good races at the end of the season so I can have some confidence for the next season because it's hard to just be like eh, racing slow and feeling bad all the time. And then what about after that? Let's assume that that'll happen. You'll mm -hmm. find your missing shape, kind of the mojo, yeah. and you perform well and you do those two races. Uh, then after that, how can you mentally and physically start preparing for another season what yeah, needs to be I think, done yeah i've i've done the right things physically before i know that my kind of top level is it's good enough so i think i just have to be a bit more smarter and just do what i've done the, the seasons i've done well and not thinking so much about 
doing the extra all the time. Uh, and mentally, I think if I do some good races, I'll be back mentally pretty fast. So it's not about like a mental problem. It's more about the physical problem, creating a mental problem because I'm sick of being uh, not working. And going back to Vasa Lopez, uh, which is in, in two weeks, and as mm-hmm. we now know that you may not be there, uh, but kind of thinking about it right now, the whole scene, it's very mm-hmm. different, you know, the, it is. On, on, the, on the women's on the women's field. Was yeah, it something that you everything ex- is different. <laughs> exactly. I mean, is it something that you expected or that you were kind of ready for it? I mean, your teammate, Emilia Fletten, has been, been performing extremely well. Yeah. She's been on a podium in every race except Yeserska when she was uh, fifth. Uh, something that you uh, expected and something that you were ready for, that this will be a very different season in terms of the kind of the quality that we're facing? Uh, well, I think I wasn't prepared. I was preparing for a different season, but I think uh, for at least for our team, I can always speak for how it's been for us. And it's quite a big difference because we don't have the waxers and the testers that we normally do because they can't afford to have the quarantine. Uh, so we have been struggling a little bit more than normal with uh, with skis and everything. So I think we are kind of under uh, under. Uh, not we haven't been skiing as fast as we can because these outside problems that keep showing up for us kind of uh, and for like the season i was expecting um emilia to ski very fast she's been strong all summer and all fall so it's really fun to see that uh, the level we have been on this summer and that she's been continuing to have is uh, it's good enough to be up there and it's impressive to see the Ramadan girls too, how they have uh, increased their level, all of them, and uh, hope to see Britta back soon because it's not the same without her being up there, I think. That is true, but if you are struggling, uh, so is she. You're two, yeah. two of the other favorites. <laughs> it's a weak you know, season for us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Two of the favorites are uh, uh, truly in, in, in trouble. But uh, speaking of your or teammate now, Emilia is there, but kind of by herself. And of course, before the season, you probably had different kind of scenarios in mind that how you guys can help each other and work together. Pretty much what uh, Team Ramudden girls are doing right now. Yeah, I think that's kind of hard for me too because I really want to be up there and and help her and ski strong together and uh, seeing her kind of being put on checkmate because they are three and they can kind of ski together and let one go and she has to yeah close the gap all the time and it's hard for her to she she's not getting her best out either because she needs another one that can help um yeah doing the field like that and if Brita was there they could have worked together a little bit too I guess but now she's kind of left alone up there so yeah, it's it's not so fun to see how the the tactics will uh, af- affect her negative when we were kind of building up for doing the tactics together. And Vasalopet is certainly a race that is known for his, you know, kind of a tactical uh, maneuvers. And again, she'll be there by herself. That race, yeah. uh, now since you probably won't be able to do it, but there's still a race that... Uh, you'd like to win. Of course, everybody likes to win that, but of it's course. a tough race. It, it yeah. is a tough, tough one 
to do. What do you think about this year's race? I mean, Marit Bjorgen's coming, uh, coming back. I mean, her big kind of a uh, step into the uh, long distance arena. Yeah. Uh, lots of interesting factors playing into that. Yeah, game. well, if, as for Marit, I think she will, of course, race really fast. She's strong and she's good at um, double polling and uh, I think she's been training pretty well all the way. So I'm pretty sure that she'll be up there. Uh, but it's a different Vasalop this year. It's uh, I think it's probably for us girls, it will be a lot easier than normal because normally we have to go all in from the beginning and then try to hang on as long as we can because we're in this huge group with people. So we just have to survive as far ahead as, as we can kind of. Uh, but this year we'll just start ahead from everyone else. I think the first uh, the first parts there will be much easier than normal and uh, slower. I will. I'm expecting this. I don't know, of course, but um, uh, I think it will be an easier Vasalop than normal for us. Yeah. Do you think that that'll uh, be uh, work for someone's favor? Who who, who are the skiers that could? Uh, get an advantage of this, or or and well, who are the ones that uh, you know this is kind of working against a bit, maybe? I think actually it works uh, good for for the ones who have a good finish. So for Lena, this is uh, advantage. Maybe for Britta as well. She hasn't maybe gotten as much skiing as she wants, and she she knows she's have a good finish, and she have been double pulling for. Uh, long distance before, so I think the pace going down a bit maybe it's an advantage for her this season, but normally it's an advantage for her that it's fast, so it kind of changes a little bit, but um, and for Marit, I think uh, a slow race actually is an advantage too, because she hasn't been skiing as far as 90k before, so uh, getting the first case easier will make her stronger in the end I think. Uh, but for Emilia, I think uh, a hard race is uh, the best because she's got a lot of capacity and maybe not the strongest finish. So she's better when when everybody's really tired, I think. So, yeah, it's both. And when you say a hard race, you kind of come uh, comparing to the, uh, uh, the old times, you know, the, the, in the past, when you yeah, started to get... Yeah, a hard start from the beginning exactly. and then you have to go all out and you get really tired. Because you start together with uh, with the men. Yeah. Exactly. So the pace is really, really high. But also you get some support from uh, uh, male skiers, which is now completely out of the question. Well, it's um, out of the question until the boys group will catch up with the girls. And then yeah, that's well, right. I think we'll see the normal race from there. And I mean, the stronger one will try to hang out to the the boys there and uh, get advantage from that. And then the, the weaker ones will have to let go and be stuck behind a little bit, I guess. Indeed, that uh, remains to be seen. But let's talk about you a little bit. I mean, now we talked about your problems and all that, but <laughs> kind of going back to the uh, the good old days when you started yeah. out, because you have a pretty much, you come from a skiing family. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, yes, you have, have sisters, a... <laughs> you know, and they, they do, uh, you know, you all compete. Uh, but how was it for you and your sisters to grow up? Was it like a competitive family or? Yeah, or I am used to competing in everything. I have a twin sister, so we were doing yeah all sorts of competitions like uh, 
who could do the most hang-ups and sit-ups every night and uh, who would have the best results in school and who can do this and that first. And yeah, uh, I've been competing in pretty much everything I've done during, during the years. So I think that's fun. It's really fun to have someone with you in, in the competition like situation. And uh, uh, without them, I think I wouldn't have been as good as I am right now either. And what about your parents? Uh, my mom skiing? is not, not a competitor at all. Uh, she's just skiing for fun, kind of. But my dad is in really good shape. And he, he loves the skiing. And he's uh, hanging on to us as long as he can on the intervals. And uh, yeah, training a lot. So I think he he's enjoying this as well as we do. So he's still with you guys when you do interviews? No, it's getting to be we're getting to getting a gap now, but he's he's still pretty strong. We need to be on our A game kind of to to get away from him on the intervals. And when did you realize that the, you really have a knack for long distances? Um, oh yeah, that's a tough question. I always love to do the long rate or just long trainings too. Uh, I think it's fun to be outside for a long time like that. Uh, but, uh, when I realized I wanted to change was on small Bashi and Marathon uh, in 2015 or something. Uh, uh, and I won the race and I actually had a kind of a medium se season in all rounds so i was kind of a little bit sick of that and i talked to you on and he was uh, keen on having me on the team so then i just went for it and i haven't looked back actually i love everything about the long distance skiing it's uh, good for me <laughs> so when that happened when you kind of uh, persuaded you to join the gang how did you feel way back then uh, because everything was new to you of course yeah, I feel, uh, well, Masako Ishida was on the team then. So she was one of the strong ladies in the long distance cup. And I just had to try to hang on to her. Uh, and she she was uh, tough. She, she like put the level for me. And uh, I enjoyed like having something new to work for. And uh, it's like that when you start double polling, you actually get pretty fast, better at double polling. So even though I've been skiing for a long time, I could feel that I really was developing as a skier. And that's, uh, it was a really fun feeling and being a bit outsider not expecting too much and then starting to race fast was, uh, it was really fun. So slowly and surely you advanced and, and develop your skills. And then mm -hmm. finally you won a race. Yeah. The, the first <laughs> victory that's always has to be kind of an eye opener, but also a dream come true. Yeah, and well, I've been a lot on the podium until the first victory, and then, uh, yeah, you kind of it's so important to just take the first one because then you start to believe that actually I'm a winner, I'm just not a podium skier, and that's uh, what John Christian Dahl said to me too. It's like when now you just poke the hole on this uh, big fat uh, bill, and then you can. Now you can believe in yourself, and that's kind of what happened too. So, which one of these victories uh, is kind of the dearest? Is it the first one, or uh, I think actually it's uh, uh, the two victories in the Nosta and Diagonella last year because I felt so strong. Uh, I 
kind of it was easy race and it the feeling during the race it's uh, it's so amazing it's kind of hard to describe but uh, i think yeah those two races were the best feeling i kind of had even though it wasn't the first or it wasn't really important either like it's not big race it's just a normal race but still it's uh yeah the feeling going so fast and feeling so strong is uh, unbeatable and you were uh, really great. I mean, you were like far uh, ahead of uh, everybody else, like on a league of your own uh, mm -hmm. after La Diagonella. So maybe at that time you were kind of still thinking that this is going to be my year. If I'm yep. going to perform at this level, <laughs> then things <laughs> change. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things change fast and you have to just cope with it. But uh, yeah, so being second in Marshallonga, it was uh, it was a good race and it was fun that Kari won, but that was a really big disappointment actually because I felt so strong the week before. So I was really hoping for more than just a second place. Uh, and that's kind of weird to think about now because now a second place would mean so much to me just being back there. <laughs> Indeed, as you said, things things change <laughs> quite yeah. a lot. Uh, you never know what's around a corner. So, uh, let's talk about your team, Team uh, uh, Kuteng, of course. Mm -hmm. It was called uh, uh, Team United Bakeries uh, way back then. Um, the same team for you. So you know the guys inside out. Mm -hmm. But now you have a chance to kind of promote your team, tell us about it. I mean, what makes your team kind of a coherent uh, a unit? Yeah, I think we have like, uh, we feel like a family, I think. It, we're brothers and sisters and uh, we love to, s we're not a big team, so we get very close. We train a lot together and uh, we have a lot of fun. So, and I think like this year when it's not good, where, when the skiing isn't good for me, I think the support from the team is so important and they are, they're great humans, so they they don't care that much of how I how fast I ski, but they I think they care of uh, me not being uh, in a good mood and trying to cheer me up. So uh, yeah, it it's uh, we get strong strong bonding I think in our team. We haven't changed uh, a lot of athletes, and we have the same crews waxing or skis year after year. So we we really get to know each other really good. So it truly is a family. It truly is, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of your family, we are going to uh, talk to uh, Stian Hölgard after yeah. you. But how would you describe him? I mean, he's a, at least to me, it's a bit of an enigma, you know, a mystery. I mean, he's really a great skier, uh, still chasing after his big victory. Five-time uh, Vasalope podium skier, five times in a row. So, I mean, he's a great skier. Yeah, but still, so he's, he's not maybe the, the big name that everybody talks about. Well, he's always up there. And I think for him, too, it's all about believing that he can actually beat everyone. Because it's hard when you have all these podiums, but always someone is better than you. It's hard to believe that you can win. But I think, I really think Sion has the skills and the body and the physiology to, to win the Vasalopa this year. And I... I'm hoping with all my heart that he will do it because I think it's so deserved when you have five podiums. It's it's about time he he gets the victory. And as a human, he is uh, awesome. He's uh, funny and he's caring and he's uh, he can fix things. He can like yeah, he, he is a multi man. <laughs> 
Well, certainly going to talk to him and find uh, out more about him. And, and he, of course, his goal, well, goal is to win Barcelona, but, but uh, how he's actually preparing for it. But before we talk to him, uh, and we're going to wrap up this p- part of the uh, podcast, your future. We to- talked about that a little bit, how you are now putting your focus on the last two races, most likely, and then the next season. But kind of that longer term, after all this, troubles hurdles that you've been uh facing how are you approaching the future the year after this and so forth (laughs) i'm really motivated to just show that i'm good skier again and i think i will be and i hope the future is bright and i really want to have a whole season where everything just is okay without any trouble because i feel like every season i have some shit going coming to me and then it kind of ruins the total a little bit, but I I want to have one season there, just everything flows, and then I think I can be good, and then we'll just see. I just I, I have learned to just take it as it comes more. Indeed. So let's hope that that will happen to you, and you'll find first of all that you'll be back. That's what we all we're missing. We're really missing you. So hopefully you'll get back in shape and get to do those races and then start training for a uh, next season, uh, which most likely will be a kind of a normal season. And then you'll be on the top again and fighting for for glory and and fame and also of course for the yellow yellow bib, the uh, the champion title. Yeah, I hope hope so. Thank you very much, Astrid. And now we move on to the second part of the podcast, which is a talk, a chat with Stian Hölgard, also from Team Kuteng and a possible Vasalopet winner, as Astrid said. This guy has been on the podium five times in a row. Now you can be part of Vismaski Classics. Sign up for my pages if you haven't done it yet. You can be ranked among other skiers, including our pro team athletes, and compare your ranking with your friends. You can also get different pins that measure your achievements. So go to vismaskiclassics.com, sign in by clicking my pages on the top, and get ready for action in Season 11. How are things in Norway at the moment, Stian? Yeah, hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, good, actually. Uh, I live in Oslo, so uh, now it's snowing. It's been snowing for a couple of days now, so uh, it's good to get some extra snow so it can last the whole season. Holmenkollen, that's got to be your stomping ground, correct, if you live in uh, uh, Oslo? Uh, yeah, I'm often, uh, or not often, but sometimes skiing in Holmenkollen, but uh, for me it's a 20 minutes drive up to Holmenkollen, so I usually ski like where I live, uh, but uh, the, the woods are big, so I can ski up to Holmenkollen as well. So I, I know the tracks there, maybe, especially the roller ski tracks I've been using a lot. I know a bit about the area because I actually used to live there in Badum Hervik uh, when I was uh, young, like like a seventh grader. So it's a great place to live. Okay, that's up, up the Siemen, Siemens uh, hood, isn't it? Uh, I think so, uh, yes. Uh, east side. Uh, indeed. 
but we have two weeks uh, before Vasa Lopet and your teammate Astrid said that you uh, have all it takes to win that race. And we all know that you've been on a podium five times in a row. So do you think that now it's finally your turn? <laughs> maybe uh, I've been five times in a row, yes. So maybe I doesn't have what it takes, but uh, at least I'll give it a shot uh, this time as well. So um, yeah, we'll see. But uh, a lot of things need to need to work. Uh, but um, it has been my best uh, race the last couple of years. So I think it suits me pretty well. Why? Why? Why does it suit you so well? Because you always do, amazingly, perfectly, pretty much. Yeah. Except you haven't won the race yet. Uh, uh, it's it's difficult to say, but uh, I think um, I'm not the best sprinter, uh, and I'm not the best in hills either. So, but uh, I'm pretty okay at the, the the long distance. So I guess that's why we don't we doesn't have so so many races that are that long this year we have all fills up but um yeah so i guess the the distance and the the profile of the race suits me well going back to last year's race uh everyone was kind of expecting that okay now stian against peter and uh, now it's it's finally going to be your turn but for some reason peter who's not really known to be a sprinter per se uh, was able to come up with a really fast sprint towards the end how did you feel when you guys reached Amura? we like okay now finally it's my turn and were you surprised by the uh, by the capacity that uh, <laughs> peter was able to conjure up uh no i wasn't surprised uh i probably knew that on the paper i was the fastest one but uh, i've been skiing uh, so many years and was up so many times so i know that um, the sprint isn't a normal sprint it's the one who has the most power left who will win so um and i yeah i felt uh i started to get really tired because we've been going like all we could uh since uh yeah, so uh, it was kind of dif uh, different from the from the last years where there's been uh, a mass sprint so if there's like 10 15 guys and you're sprinting at the end you feel kind of fresh and uh, and um, re ready to sprint when you're in Moaparken but last year was different i was really tired and yeah we've been working hard so long so i i knew that it was the one with the most power left and that was better <laughs> so yeah and it's a long sprint as well i mean it's probably i think it's as you said it's a different from any other race that we have because by the time you reach i mean even the last k is pretty much is the, the long you know they go through the camping camping area and then you have that you you reach mura and you have that 500 meter stretch all the way to the finish so it's not a it's not just a typical sprint no it isn't it's a long sprint and i and the last like from the last turn and in i it's probably a minute so uh yeah it's not a usual sprint but um yeah i think the you need to have uh you need to have the most power left uh, there so you yeah it doesn't matter like of course you need to be quick but um 
I think the most important thing is to to have the most power left. And this year's race in two weeks, what are you expecting from that? Because it will be a bit of a different scenario. It's only you guys racing. The women will start first, which you know hasn't happened in the past. And you don't have that 16,000 or so people behind you. It's just you guys. I assume it's not going to affect you that much because it's still the kind of the same race, but at least the atmosphere is completely different. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to be strange because none of us have experienced that. So, and I guess this that we the starting place is different as well. So, uh, I guess it's going to be a new experience at least before the start uh, for everyone. And if it's snowing, like uh, it always is, I guess the, <laughs> there will be less people in the leading group so um yeah i think it's gonna we're gonna notice before the start but uh in the race i don't think we're gonna think so much about it and who are your toughest opponents arrivals right now based on the races that we had in the past vokuev eliasen yedalen yeah the i think you never mentioned the three of them uh at least and uh you have uh I think the big favorite is Emil Persson, of course, with the capacity that he's shown this year and he's fast as well. So if he managed to stay in the group and have some power left, I think it's going to be very difficult to to beat him. And uh, of course, you have Nigo, for example, which uh, I don't think even he knows himself how, how it's going to be for him. But uh, if, he, if he comes to the start and... I've trained okay. He's also one of the favorites. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys, and um, you never know. Speaking of Emil Parison, has it taken you by surprise that he's been so strong? I mean, of course, he won two races last year, but in a bit of a different uh, uh, circumstances. Or, but now he has really proven or shown us that he's a strong skier all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I'm surprised, but uh, at least really, really impressed. Uh, like you said, he won two races last year, so it's not uh, that surprising that he wins this year as well. But now he wins in Marcelonga, and uh, he showed in in Toblak and Chiseska that he can climb as well. So, yeah. That kind of sucks when the when the sprinters uh, also starting to climb, then they're difficult to beat. So, yeah, he's really impressing. So that's uh, cool to see. But uh, yeah, I hope we at Kuten can can beat him at Vasalope. Since you've been kind of chasing after the, the the victory, you know, the you've been podium if I counted correctly twelve times, which is an amazing uh, number. But still no victory and uh of course now Vasilope could be the one and i think your first podium was in Marchalonga in 2016 so it's been a long time coming for you but do you ever feel fr frustrated that it hasn't happened you just mentioned that now it's kind of scary to see the sprinters doing so well <laughs> yeah, uh, nah, I don't know. Of course, uh, sometimes when you feel really good and like really have the op opportunity to win, like Vasalope last year and a couple of other times, you you feel frustrated and disappointed, not for winning. But uh, 
I've also had some podiums, which I, yeah, what can you say? Got kind of lucky and absolutely wasn't uh, one of the strongest three guys. So it's it's both. I, I guess it's it depends on the on the race. But for me, I uh, now it's the time to to go for the victory, and I have the last years, but uh, it hasn't worked out yet. So yeah. I hope maybe I can uh, I can manage to get a victory sometimes. So this season uh, been a bit of a tricky one for you. Started out uh, as a twenty first fastest skier in La Diagonela, certainly something that you uh, went happy happy about. But then, kind of the typical uh, positions for you: fifth uh, at Topla Cortina, sixth at Machalonga the ninth at Jesus Kapadesatka, once again showing that you are always there, pretty much, or maybe sometimes a little bit behind the top, you know, the top guys, but always there, and then 12 podium places. Uh, but sort of your evaluation on this season, has it gone as you ex uh, expected, or were you, before the season started, were you thinking that, okay, maybe this is my year that I can be on a podium more often? Uh, yeah, of course, I, that was my goal, and uh, this year we we didn't go any roller ski race and uh, didn't have that much camps, so I was probably together with the rest of the guys, uh, like, unsure about the, my level going into the season, but uh, I think um, I think it's uh, it has been good, and um, but not. Not as good as it has to be to to win the race, and of course, when I'm sixth and fifth in the races, it's a good uh, good positions. But uh, it's I think it's kind of a long way often from from like six and until winning. So uh, I think I I need to improve a couple of uh, steps before I can fight for a victory this season. But uh, yeah, I think I think I can do it. We have two weeks now with training and uh, and testing skis, so hopefully I can improve my skiing until the last races. When you say improve, what do you mean exactly? What things do you need to do, or what uh, factors do you need to pay attention to that you can climb up from that sixth or fifth place all the way to the podium and then finally uh, to a victory? Uh, um, it's a lot of things, but uh, I, like we mentioned before, the Vasalopa suits me uh, uh, suit me good with the uh, length, and then you have Orfjellsloppe and uh, Levi also. So I think the races coming now maybe suits me better, and uh, and I need to to keep my shape and uh, also have the uh, what's it called the the energy surplus, the power. So not train too much. So, and if if you, yeah, if I manage to do that, I I hope uh, I can be be up there. So what can you do in two weeks? There's not that much time left. Give us a little bit of an, like an example of a typical uh, training or training training sessions that you have before Vasalopet that you cannot can tweak your body and. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's not that much you can do. I think um, I need to. You need to listen to your body as well. So 
like this week after Chisaska, I've been kind of tired, so I haven't trained as much as I've hoped. But um, hopefully, I'll be getting some energy this weekend and I can train well uh, the next week. But uh, for me, I usually take it very easy the last week. So then, then you don't, then you can't do like any big key sessions the last week. Um, so I usually have one hard, uh, hard interval on Wednesday, uh, one uh, double pulling session uh, the last week, and then we have some ski testing and maybe a strength session as well. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, the next week uh, now, I plan to to train not a lot, but uh, some have some good sessions and uh, some long double pulling sessions. Uh, but it's not it's not any like one big key sessions. But uh, I usually race, uh, uh, race one weekend before uh, Vasaloppe. So hopefully this year as well, if it's not cancelled on Saturday before. Good. Uh, Astrid told us about this predicament that you are now kind of facing, uh, that you don't have a chance to bring your whole team over because of the restrictions that uh, we have upon traveling right now, meaning that your waxers and service people are not always there. You've been struggling a bit in terms of that. Is everything okay for Vasalopet now? Yeah, it's a really difficult situation because the, the waxers, which have uh, served us the last years, they have like... They have, of course, families and jobs, and so they can't take 10 days of quarantine. So it's not, uh, it hasn't been easy, I guess, for, for Tore and Bernard to get the, the whole thing together. So, um, but I think for Vasaloppet, I think we'll be uh, a little bit bigger team. So uh, I think that'll be really good. Let's go back in time a little bit. Vasalopet is, of course, next, and that is a race that really suits you well, as you said. Uh, but all the way back to uh, kind of the early days when you started out, you are turning 30 later this year in September, still young. Uh, in terms <laughs> of the long-distance skiing, you have yeah, still, you. <laughs> think about uh, Anders Auckland, you have almost 20 years <laughs> to, 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 to you know, chase after that podium with, uh, or the, the, the victory. Uh, but you started out uh, doing some junior uh, racing, correct? Uh, like tw uh, 2009, something like that, correct? So if you go all the way back then, a Scandinavian Cup, you did some of those races, correct? Way back yeah. then? Yeah, I um, raced uh, like what you call it traditionally uh, until I was uh, maybe twenty-two years old or something. So, but I, I was never a good like I've never been and I'm not a good skier, but I'm a okay long-distance skier. So, uh, I've never been uh, anywhere near the top uh, in traditional skiing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was lucky that I could uh, <laughs> get a chance to compete in long-distance skiings. If not, I don't think I've been 
being as gear now. And that happened like uh, 2012. Uh, you represent a team NR and Pro, correct? Yeah, uh, correct. And um, how did they approach you? Or I mean, since as you said, I mean you went really that good at the standard distances, the traditional skiing. Uh, but who approached you, or how did you kind of uh, find your way to uh, long distance skiing and to this particular team? Uh, yeah, I don't know why they approached me. I didn't have any results so <laughs> to, to uh, brag about. So uh, actually, I don't know how they asked, but I knew a couple of the guys uh, on Empo before. Uh, Sven Torsinnes and Gerlund Vigåsen uh, was there. So I knew them from before and uh, I got a chance to to participate on some camps uh, that year. And uh, in the end, I got an offer to join the team, and yeah, and that's how it started. And pretty quickly, you got uh, some good results. Uh, Maxalonga, I think you were like uh, 37th or something like that, 12th in the Tartu Ski Marathon in 2013. He says uh, among the top 50. So pretty good results. Uh, considering that you were pretty young at that time and still kind of a rookie in the game. Hey, yeah, I don't know, good, good, but uh, I remember the first season my goal was to to get in the top 30. So, um, yeah, I've taken some steps since then, but um, it uh, on that time, top 30, I don't think it's... So good, that good uh, as top 30 now. I think the level is higher. So, um, yeah. And then what about that team? What kind of a team was that team and pro? Uh, it was a kind of good team. We had a, it's kind of similar to to like Kuteng now and Lisbon. And uh, we had uh, two, three waxers and a lot of uh service guys uh with us and uh the it worked like uh, kind of the same as as the teams now so it was kind of professional uh i think so for me it was like a whole not, whole nother level than i've been used to so it was yeah really fun to travel with uh with the guys and trying to 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 compete with uh, Anders Erkland and uh, those guys, Jorgen Erkland back then. So I remember uh, it was it was big for me back then just to be on the starting line with these guys. What did you learn from those guys back then? Because you were still kind of soaking everything, just absorbing everything at that time. Yeah, I learned a lot. Uh, like before I started with long distance. I probably when you're going to have a a roller ski session, if you're having a long trip, it would be two, two and a half, maybe three hours. And then you've been training a lot, so yeah, I learned <laughs> a lot about training and that you need to train a lot and uh, long sessions and uh, a lot of double pulling. Um, but also you 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 learn the races. And I've been going all the races many times, so you learn the, the profile, you learn tactics, uh, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. 
And then uh, 2014, I think that was pretty much a breakthrough year. Uh, you, Vasalopet, for example, not on the podium yet, but pretty close. You were eighth, correct? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, uh, what can you say? Uh, I, I, um, the result was uh, better than I was at that time as a skier. So, uh, but it was snowing and uh, a big, big field uh, towards the end. I remember. Uh, actually, Andreas Niger was a kind of a, a guest skier at Team Empo then. So, that was the first time I met Andreas in the days before Wasserloppet. So, um, we were both kind of young and unexperienced that time, and. Uh, I think he was six and I was eight. So, yeah, we were both very, very happy afterwards. But, um, yeah, it was a sprint finish. So, a big, big group towards the end, I remember. And that must have boost your boost up your confidence quite a lot. That, hey, even if you knew that it was a bit of a, you know, special circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. That's... Uh, uh, today, um, that's one of my best experience uh, or best memories. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was really big to be eight. I, I think my goal was to be top thirty. So, yeah, <laughs> when I was eight, I was happy and surprised. Did that then help you to get into Team Lisa Plan, uh, or how did that then happen that you joined the uh, Thomas Halsgård's gang? Uh, yeah, I think so, and it wasn't that many uh, like young skiers um, uh, in long distance skiing back then. So uh, I got an offer from Team Lisplan in twenty. Yeah, it was twenty fourteen, I think, and um, and then the Team Enpo uh, um, uh, was uh, put down. So. Yeah, I joined Team Lisbon, and uh, there we had two teams: one all-around team and one long-distance team. So on camps and uh, stuff like that, we were together, and uh, yeah, that was some really good days and good camps. And uh, I think the the first two three years there was where I developed myself the most, maybe, and took the biggest steps as a skier. Speaking of that, you know, it goes without saying that uh, Altscore must have been an inspiration. Uh, but anything specific that you got from this legend of of uh, long uh, legend of uh, of the sport? Yeah, Altscore is a legend, and uh, having him as a uh, team manager and uh, and boss was was amazing, and uh, I learned uh, a lot from him. Uh, like things you <laughs> you you can take with you, and uh, he was always like uh, he was hard <laughs> and always uh, honest. If a thing or a race or a training session wasn't good, he just said it that it wasn't good. So a lot of people they just say like always see the positive and uh, like. Uh, but Thomas was always honest, so you you know what you get. And if he he said uh, like this is good or uh, you need to do this and this, you could always trust him. So 
I've had some uh, really <laughs> hard sessions on the treadmill in his uh, garage uh, from that years. So <laughs> when he he was uh, controlling the speed, so uh, I always that was some yeah <laughs> really tough sessions. I remember. And then after that, at, uh, as I said, at uh, 2016. A really good year for you because you got your first uh, podium place, and that was at Marcellonga. Things must have changed quite a lot after that. Yeah, um, that was kind of uh, big for me with the first first podium and being up there with uh, Petter and Todd and uh, Tore. So, um, all and all, it was kind of surprising as well that it came in Marcellonga, which. Yeah, it's not my favorite race with the last hill there, but uh, I had a really good day that day. So um, yeah, and if and when you get the first podium, uh, then it's more easy to get the next ones. I think so. That was important. By the way, what is your favorite race if Marcelonga isn't the one? Uh, and don't say Barcelona because we know that 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 is, that is your favorite. But besides these two, I think uh, I must say Levi maybe because uh, it's quite long, seventy kilometers, and uh, it's two, three like long hills, and all uh, and uh, soft flats as well, long flats, and uh, you have the hill at the end there. I don't know how much it's. How many kilometers it's left until the finish? Ten or something? Exactly, it's about so, ten. Yes. Uh, I like the race because because it's you don't know uh, before the race what could happen. There could be a, a big group coming in, like ten people, or there could the field could uh, split into pieces in the last hill. So it's kind of unpredictable race. So um, yeah, I like that one. And then going back to your uh, history, then after the 2016, uh, and then finally moving from uh, Team Lise Plan, uh, that then uh, got the defunct, uh, to your current one, Team Kuteng. Did they approach you, or did you approach them, or what's the story behind that? Uh, yeah, Team Lise Plan was put down in 2017, so then I approached... Uh, uh, then it was called Team United Bakeries. So I uh, I asked Tura if they had a, a free spot, and um, it took a couple of months, I think. But uh, I think it was in the summer when they uh, said yes that uh, they would have me in the team, um, and that has been really good as well. Really uh, good guys and uh, girls traveling with, and uh, the the service team and the waxers as well have been really good. So, yeah, now it's the third, fourth season actually. So, I'm I'm happy to be here. Also, give us again an overview of your your team, the gang, the family that you have. But from your perspective, perspective, based on your uh, previous experience and the uh, these other teams, how different is Team Kuteng from the ones you had before? Uh, it's actually, I think it's quite similar. Uh, it's probably Team Lee's plan who kind of stands out because that was a much bigger team. We had a long distance 
uh, like team and also the all round team with yeah Andrew Musgrave for example. So uh, when we were in camps, there was uh, more more athletes and uh, more stuff. So uh, I guess that's the the biggest difference. Uh, so now we're uh, a smaller group, but uh, that works works uh, really good as well. And how would you describe yourself as a skier? You mentioned earlier that you like long distances. Long distance skiing suits you, you well, but uh, you're not the tallest guy, of course, and, and uh, maybe for many you don't uh, uh, appear to be uh, kind of a... The, epitome of, of, of a long distance skier, long, tall, strong, but you still do so well. But how would you kind of, if you just look at yourself in a mirror and say, okay, this is the end, hell God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what can I say? Um, I, I think I'm, I don't have any like uh, really, really strong uh Weapons <laughs> uh, like uh, you have Nigo and Passon with the sprints, and Petter, for example, or Vukuya with the climbing. Um, but I'm kind of uh, like, yeah, medium on uh, <laughs> a lot of things. So put together, it it's okay. But um, uh, I I don't have any like big weaknesses or big strengths. So. I think that maybe <laughs> can define me. What about your VO2 max? Uh, I guess that's the, probably the same. I have, uh, I think it's three or four years since I measured last. I was a team lease plan, but then I had uh, just above 80. So not the best, not the worst. <laughs> but good enough to do well. Yeah, maybe at least in long distance skiing, I think. But um, I don't know in uh, like traditional skiing. And since you've been part of this game for a long time now, uh, let's talk about Bisma Ski, Cl Ski Classics, which was of course called Ski Classics uh, and Swix Ski, Ski Classics and so forth. Uh, based on your experience and your years in the game, a lot of things have changed correctly and improved. What are kind of the most important things for you in terms of the, the whole tour? Uh, yeah, uh, I think the tour tour has developed a lot, and uh, David in the front and all you other guys have been doing a great job. And uh, the last couple of years now, I think it's what can you say stabilized uh, a bit, and uh, like the the same races come again and. Uh, the most important is to have many teams uh, competing uh, from different nations, uh, and you also need to have like you need to have a, a concept and a tour that starts in November, December, and go the whole season, so that you can do it full time and and only long distance skiing, uh, and and that is how it is now. So that's good, but. It also it must not be too expensive to to travel and too many races or too many weekends. So it's kind of a, a balance there. I think you need to have a lot. You need have, you need to have an, enough races, but it don't it it can be it can't be too 
too expensive either for the the smaller teams. So yeah, I think that's uh, a, an important balance. Since you like long distances and the Vasa Lopet and now Orifel Lopet is coming up, are really uh, perfect races for you and your your capacity and and your skills and talent. But what about the shorter ones? We have some really short ones, and particularly in the early season. This season's it's been a bit different, of course, due to the, uh, you know, the the pandemic. But generally speaking, do you kind of like those prologues that we have in, early, in the in early season? Uh, no, if if it was up to me, uh, I think all races should have been at least fifty kilometers, and that's what like. Uh, uh, separates this cup from traditional skiing. Uh, so, if I could choose, I will have at least 50 kilometers. But uh, if the alternative is to not race, then it's uh, good that uh, then I would rather have a 35 kilometer race than nothing. So, and then what about the new one, uh, the Orifel Slope at 100k? And it's not an easy course there, so that's a true long distance. Challenge. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be <laughs> very interesting. I don't know the course, but uh, I've been in Aura a couple of times and there's a lot of hill in the area. So I guess it's going to be a really, really tough one. So I think yeah, a lot of things can happen there and uh, maybe we could get some people really bunking there towards the end. So I think it's going to be exciting to see how the race, how the, that race will be. We talked about your career and the kind of the beginning and kind of the early years all the way to the to the present time. But then going even back, way back uh, when you started out, I mean, you have two uh, two brothers and they are also in uh, not skiing, but they're only in, in uh, endurance sports. They cyclists. Correct. So uh, and they're a bit younger than you are. Um, how was it to, to to grow up in a family like that? And, uh, and did it come from your parents or this kind of enthusiasm for uh, endurance sports? When we grew up, uh, when we were like 8, 10, 12 years old, we wasn't that uh, that active really. We played football and, uh, and uh, started skiing, I don't know if I were like 12, 13 years old maybe. Uh, and then it just got more and more so i think it was kind of a coincidence and uh, i quit football when i was uh, 15 and uh, chose like like skiing uh, and they uh, continued with uh, football and skiing and cycling and uh, a couple of years later they they thought cycling was more more fun so yeah they chose cycling and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> kind of uh, like a coincidence. What you call it? Coincidence that it's mm-hmm. that we all three now just live of uh, our sport, actually. So why didn't you become a cyclist? Yeah, I don't know. From where I grew up, it would have suited better to become a cyclist because there's no snow. So. Um, Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I just uh, thought skiing was more fun. But do you uh, sometimes train with your brothers in the summertime? 
Yeah, I found back home. I tried to to join them on sessions. And then it then it always me. Uh, I I need to to find my bicycle. They never join me on roller ski sessions. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I like I like cycling and uh, it's fun to to join them on on some sessions. But uh, it's not that often that it fits. And how well have they performed so far? And what are their goals? Ah, uh, they performed pretty good. Uh, now they're on the, this uh, Norwegian team, uh, Team UNOX. Like it's the best uh, Norwegian team, uh, level two in cycling. Uh, yeah, so they've performed uh, pretty good. The oldest one, Daniel, has been a pro in Francis de Chaux for some years and uh, took a step back to Norway now, last year. So I think they hope to, yeah, win kind of the win and uh, dominate the races just under the the world tour level. So uh, since you both are pros, your your brother Daniel and yourself, have you kind of traded a kind of the uh, career scoops and, and and secrets and things like that? And if so, what have you learned from your brother in terms of the that world? Yeah, we talk a lot about like the, the 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 sports and the difference in skiing and cycling, and uh, I I think it's interesting to hear how they train and how they prepare for competitions and uh, eating supplements, all kinds of stuff. So uh, yeah, we exchange some ideas, and uh, I think it's some things. We, uh, that uh, we can relate to in long distance skiing, uh, like it's the same, but uh, also some things which are not the same. But um, can you give us some examples of the things that are same and that are very different? Yeah, I think um, uh, like the um, uh, the racing intensity, maybe. Uh, it's not quite the same. I think we uh, um, we race like shorter uh, most of the time. Most of our races are like two, three hours, and they have like longer races. And all, also, I think more often they they have um, more easy easy speed or medium speed uh, for a longer time, and then they go hard in the end. But uh, in long distance skiing, skiing we uh, kind of yeah, at least in in some races we go hard like all the time. For example, Jisaska Birkebeinerenna, then we go all in for the whole race. So I think that kind of separates sports. But uh, but in cycling you have those on and offs with the hills and the flats and the and the downhills. So you have to work on and then you have a break and then you go again so i think that's that's kind of the same so and they have long tours in cycling they can last for days which we don't have uh, in long distance skiing so is there anything that they have any advice they've given you from that aspect like the nutrition things like that how to recover quickly yeah i haven't uh, not not on the on the on the tours because we don't do that so it's not that 
important for us. But uh, I think the nutrition, uh, they do a lot of one-day races as well, and uh, the nutrition in the yeah, in the Grand Tours as well. Is uh, I think that's kind of the same as as in cross-country skiing. So I think we can relate to that. And um, my, I think they they're uh, better than skiers to to drink and eat during the races. Uh, I guess it's easier for cyclists as well to to get to get those calories uh, while competing. For us, it's more difficult because we use our hands to 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 ski. So um, yeah, I've maybe noticed the importance of uh, getting in enough drinking and gels and bars and while you compete. And then, what about uh, training? What have you learned from your brothers in terms of uh, training? Uh, and we know. For example, we know that uh, Matthias Reck is, is, is the coach for Team Ramudden uh, from the cycling world. And he has definitely brought in some new things and nuances, you know, that uh, didn't ex- uh, exist before. But anything that you might have been able to incorporate into your training? It's some things. Um, uh, you have the... I have this gear uh, back home uh, here in my apartment, and uh, there we can uh, view the the vats, uh, the power you're going at. So then uh, it's easier to to relate to like cyclists. They they don't see that much uh, to the heart frequency. They use watts. So. Uh, yeah, I've done some some sessions which are inspired by cyclists. Uh, f- for example, um, I've done some over under sessions, which uh, uh, then you then I go like two minutes just below FTP, like ninety ninety five percent, and then one minute of maybe one hundred and ten percent, and then change over under. Um, so that's that's some threshold sessions which I've taken taken into my training plan, which is inspired by the cyclists. Are those uh, the sessions that you like a lot, or are those kind of the ones that you always like? Feeling that oh, okay, these are the tough ones coming up again. <laughs> Ah, I think it's uh, I like those because uh, it's always uh, motivating to get some new kind of intervals and new sessions into the program. So uh, instead of just like going six times ten minutes or four times fifty minutes, just steady pace. Uh, good experience with uh, with going like the average uh, average watt or average power. It's kind of the same, but you you change a lot uh, during the interval. So I think it's more uh, more dynamic session. So I like it. But do you like uh, intensive sessions or intervals and things like that, or are you more of a kind of the long distance endurance kind of guy that you like to go out there and enjoy, you know, the long uh, workouts? I like both actually. I don't have any favorites, but 
Yeah, if I, if I had to choose, I like probably the the intensity sessions the most. I think that's the the key sessions and uh, so. But uh, I like doing three, four, five hours easy as well. But uh, it's the mix that uh, most uh, important to to get right. You don't have to. You you can't do like too much of one thing and too little of the other. So I think that's the that's the key to to find the right mix. So when we think about this season, and of course Vasa Lopez is next, very important for you. You are finally going to win it, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't promise you. We'll see. <laughs> but then uh, towards the end of the season, uh, what's kind of your grand goal? right now based on what you've achieved so far and what do you think realistically what do you think you can you can achieve um uh, the for the yellow bib and uh, the overall i think the there's not so much to <laughs> to go for this year i don't know my ranking but uh i think the the top uh four five six guys are way ahead so for the rest of the seasons it, it's the, the the single races that matters so yeah it's to to fight for a victory in every race uh, which is the most important so and uh, we have some some cool races coming up so i look forward to it and then what about after this uh, season when hopefully things are kind of turning back to normal and next uh, season uh, season at 12 should be pretty much business as usual what are your plans for the future yeah good question uh i haven't uh, thought so much about it actually but um yeah it depends on the if kuteng uh, uh, will go for another year or yeah so actually i've I have no idea how the next, uh, like the the spring and summer will be, but um, at least I hope that uh, things are going back to normal and, and that we can compete in some world ski races and uh, stuff like that. I've been I've been missing that this year, so um, yeah, we'll see how the how the situation is. But you would say that you still have a burning de desire within you to continue. Uh, yeah, as of now I have, but um, I've learned uh, the the last years that uh, if the results uh, doesn't come and if I if I'm like far behind and don't have the level, I I don't think I will be that motivated. But uh, I've always had some good races in every season, so that's kept the motivation up. But um, if I'm if my results suddenly should start declining or uh, that I see that I can't compete with the best, then I'm not sure, so sure if I, if I'm motivated, but, but right now I'm, I'm hoping to continue. Well, I think after your victory uh, at Vasa Lopez this year, I think you'll be uh, well motivating <laughs> you to continue. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, before we uh, wrap up, uh, just a couple of words about you as a person. We talked about your career and uh, your humble beginnings and uh, uh, you as a skier. 
Uh, Astrid said that you're really a great person, a fun, a fun one to be around. But who is Stian Hellgard when you're not ski- skiing? What kind of a guy are you, really? <laughs> uh, ah, that's nice to hear. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, uh, I think I'm kind of yeah calm. We've been talking uh, about it in the team that uh, I don't get bored that easy. So that's the same with, uh, for example, Emilia. Like uh, me and Emilia, we could we could have been on camps for three weeks uh, just uh, training and laying on the couch and uh, we've been okay and like Astrid for example she's she's a little more uh, uh, what you call it on patience so <laughs> yeah I get guess maybe I'm yeah, kind of relaxed and uh... do you have a good sense of humor I don't think I will be a stand-up comedian when I'm done skiing but um yeah, I hope I I have a good sense of humor at least. But um, I guess other people should should answer that. Uh, what things do you like? What What are your hobbies uh, besides skiing? Yeah, I watch uh, watch a lot of football. So Manchester United is the is the team. So that's one hobby. And um, I completed. Uh, my uh, uh, master's degree in economic for a couple of years ago, so I try to keep keep up with that uh, uh, as so well. What, what what will you be when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've I've never done anything else than skiing, so it's it's hard to say. But uh, uh, yeah, my education is is. Uh, like I'm, uh, is economic, so I guess something. Business world. Something, yeah, in the business world maybe, but. Uh, Entrepreneur yeah. maybe is that your calling? Yeah, maybe I, I've never tried anything, so it's like it's difficult to say. But um, I hope uh, I'll find something interesting, but probably some something in the in the business world, I think. Uh, and then, what about other things to do? Do you like uh, read books? watch films uh, listen to music yeah uh, I'm not that much of a music guy but uh, I listen sometimes when I train but uh, for the most it's uh, it's podcasts and uh, as every every skier uh, we watch a lot of Netflix so <laughs> I, I like uh, like watching Netflix and uh, what's your favorite uh, show there who uh, I've been watching so many. Um, oh, what's the one that you uh, watched? Uh, or the latest one they watched? I just started watching. Uh, we call it Bruen in Norway, the bridge. I don't know what's what it's called in English. Oh, that's a that's a classic one. Yeah, I think that's good. And uh, you, uh, uh, Netflix uh, series. I think that's. That was really good. Yeah, the psychological drama, yes. Yeah, um, and Suits. Uh, oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, and uh, of course Breaking Bad, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of different. It's hard to say the the favorite, but uh, yeah. What's the last book you uh, read? Who the last book? I guess that's some. Uh, 
I'm taking like those uh, internet uh, classes, uh, studies uh, this year. So in uh, so I guess it's a kind of a a business book from there called How to Make Money. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what it's called. That's not a uh, so good sign. <laughs> it must have been a bit boring then if you don't remember the name of the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, big question, uh, family. Uh, as I said earlier, when we started out that you are soon to be 30, uh, 29. Yeah. Uh, uh, your birthday is in September. Uh, what about that? big plan or goal in, in, in pretty much everyone's mind, the family, kids, so forth. Yeah, uh, I have a daughter now and she's uh, one and a half years old. So um, yeah, that's really, really fun and uh, exciting to, to watch her grow up and uh, developing. So as for now, I'm happy, happy with, uh, with one kid. So we'll see. <laughs> How does it feel to be a father? Ah, it feels good. It's uh, you don't know what to expect really before it happens, but uh, when it happens, it's kind of yeah, it feels natural. And uh, but uh, of course, it changes a lot of things. The the everyday life it gives me kind of a perspective and uh, maybe more energy as well towards uh, training and competing so yeah, i think it's i think it's great have you had a chance to sleep well because you, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know that when you father and you have a, a child that is that that young that tends to be the case that you don't sleep that much yeah uh i'm lucky so that i can like uh manage uh, do, do what i want so uh, we have an extra bedroom so if i want i can sleep there but um i try to not do that too often but uh i guess towards vasaloppen now and uh like before big races i i will sneak in the extra bedroom and sleep there <laughs> good i mean it uh, sounds to me that uh everything's uh, pretty much in place in your life uh, you have a good career, uh, you have a great family there, uh, brothers and, and so forth. Um, anything you still wish for the future? What are kind of like the big, if I were type of thing, if I were something, or do you even have that? Or are you just content with your life right now? Yeah, of course, uh, you hope to win ski races, but, um, as of now, I'm really happy with with how the situation and how the life is, and I enjoy skiing, uh, traveling with with the rest of the guys in uh, in Kuteng. So um, as for now, I'm I'm happy, and uh, when I retire one day, I think it will be exciting to. Then it's more. Then I'm more unsure what uh, what life will bring, but. Uh, there's a lot of options, so I hope I, I think I will have a have a good uh, good life then as well. But uh, as for now, I'm yeah happy skiing and uh, training and traveling around. 
and we know that you'll keep going. There's still many good years left uh, for you. Uh, as a final thing, uh, kind of your message to your rivals, to your opponents out there before Barcelopet. Those guys that we just talked about. Emil, Hermel, What do you want to tell him right now? That here, here's... Yeah, your... what can I say? Uh, I, the victory is up for grabs, but stay away from second and third. That's my, my positions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Stian, and good luck. You uh, have two weeks left to pre prepare and tweak yourself and find the kind of the mojo that you need uh, to win that race. Yeah. We all ho really hope for that. And at least you can go for the sixth podium, a sixth consecutive podium place uh, at Barcelona. And uh, just um, uh, enjoy life because it seems to me that you're in a perfect place. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.